This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wendy M. Grossman. Vanity Fair by William Thackeray. Chapter 4 The Green Silk Purse. Poor Joe's panic lasted for two or three days, during which he did not visit the house, nor during that period did Miss Rebecca ever mention his name. She was all respectful gratitude to Mrs. Sedley, delighted beyond measure at the bazaars, and in a whirl of wonder at the theatre whither the good-natured lady took her. One day Amelia had a headache and could not go upon some party of pleasure to which the two young people were invited. Nothing could induce her friend to go without her. What? "'You who have shown the poor orphan what happiness and love are for the first time in her life, quit you? "'Never!' "'And the green eyes looked up to heaven and filled with tears, "'and Mrs. Sedley could not but own that her daughter's friend had a charming, kind heart of her own. "'As for Mr. Sedley's jokes, Rebecca laughed at them with a cordiality and perseverance "'which not a little pleased and softened that good-natured gentleman. "'Nor was it with the chiefs of the family alone that Miss Sharp found favor. She interested Mrs. Blenkinsop by evincing the deepest sympathy in the raspberry jam preserving, which operation was then going on in the housekeeper's room. She persisted in calling Sambo, Sir, and Mr. Sambo, to the delight of that attendant. And she apologized the lady's maid for giving her trouble in venturing to ring the bell with such sweetness and humility that the servants' hall was almost as charmed with her as the drawing-room. Once, in looking over some drawings which Amelia had sent from school, Rebecca suddenly came upon one which caused her to burst into tears and leave the room. It was on the day when Joe Sedley made his second appearance. Amelia hastened after her friend to know the cause of the display of feeling, and the good-natured girl came back without her companion, rather affected too. You know, her father was our drawing-master, Mamma at Chiswick, and used to do all the best parts of our drawings. "'My love, I'm sure I always heard Miss Pinkerton say "'that he did not touch them, he only mounted them.' "'It was called mounting, Mamma. "'Rebecca remembers the drawing, and her father working at it, "'and the thought of it came upon her rather suddenly, "'and so, you know, she... "'The poor child is all heart,' said Mrs. Sedley. "'I wish she could stay with us another week,' said Amelia. "'She's devilish like Miss Cutler that I used to meet at Dum-Dum, only fairer.' "'She's married now to Lance, the artillery surgeon. "'Do you know, ma'am, that once Quinton of the Fourteenth bet me—' "'Oh, Joseph, we know that story,' said Amelia, laughing. "'Never mind about telling that, but persuade Mamma to write to Sir Something Crawley "'for leave of absence for poor dear Rebecca. "'Ah, oh, here she comes, her eyes red with weeping.' "'I'm better now,' said the girl, with the sweetest smile possible, "'taking good-natured Mrs. Sedley's extended hand and kissing it respectfully.' "'How kind you all are to me!' "'All,' she added with a laugh, "'except you, Mr. Joseph.' "'Me,' said Joseph, "'meditating an instant departure. "'Gracious heavens! "'Good God! "'Miss Sharp!' "'Yes. "'How could you be so cruel "'as to make me eat that horrid pepper-dish "'at dinner the first day I ever saw you? "'You are not so good to me as dear Amelia.' "'He doesn't know you so well,' cried Amelia.' "'I defy anybody not to be good to you, my dear,' said her mother. "'The curry was capital, indeed it was,' said Joe quite gravely. "'Perhaps there was not enough citron juice in it. "'No, there was not. "'And the chilies? 
"'By Jove, how they made you cry out,' said Joe, "'caught by the ridicule of the circumstance "'and exploding in a fit of laughter, "'which ended quite suddenly, as usual. "'I shall take care how I let you choose for me another time,' "'said Rebecca, as they went down again to dinner. "'I didn't think men were fond of putting poor, harmless girls to pain. "'By God, Miss Rebecca, I wouldn't hurt you for the world.' "'No,' said she, "'I know you wouldn't.' "'And then she gave him ever so gentle a pressure with her little hand, "'and drew it back quite frightened, "'and looked first for one instant in his face and then down at the carpet-rods. "'And I am not prepared to say that Joe's heart did not thump "'at this little involuntary, timid, gentle motion of regard on the part of the simple girl. "'It was an advance.' And as such, perhaps some ladies of indisputable correctness and gentility will condemn the action as immodest. But you see, poor dear Rebecca had all this work to do for herself. If a person is too poor to keep a servant, though ever so elegant, he must sweep his own rooms. If a dear girl has no dear mamma to set, settle matters with the young man, she must do it for herself. And, oh, what a mercy it is that these women do not exercise their powers oftener. We can't resist them if they do. Let them show ever so little inclination, and men go down on their knees at once. Old or ugly, it is all the same. And this I set down as a positive truth. A woman with fair opportunities and without an absolute hump may marry whom she likes. Only let us be thankful that the darlings are like the beasts of the field and don't know their own power. They would overcome us entirely if they did. Egad, thought Joseph, entering the dining-room. I exactly begin to feel as I did at Dum Dum with Miss Cutler. Many sweet little appeals, half tender, half jocular, did Miss Sharp make to him about the dishes at dinner, for by this time she was on a footing of considerable familiarity with the family, and as for the girls, they loved each other like sisters. Young unmarried girls always do if they are in a house together for ten days. As if bent upon advancing Rebecca's plans in every way, what must Amelia do but remind her brother of a promise made last Easter holidays? When I was a girl at school, said she, laughing, a promise that he, Joseph, would take her to Vauxhall. Now, she said, that Rebecca is with us will be the very time. Oh, delightful, said Rebecca, going to clap her hands. But she recollected herself and paused like a modest creature as she was. Tonight is not the night, said Joe. "'Well, to-morrow.' "'To-morrow your papa and I dine out,' said Mrs. Sedley. "'You don't suppose that I'm going, Mrs. Sed,' said her husband, "'and that a woman of your years and size is to catch cold in such an abominable damp place?' "'The children must have someone with them,' cried Mrs. Sedley. "'Let Joe go,' said his father, laughing. "'He's big enough.' "'At which speech even Mr. Sambo at the sideboard burst out laughing, "'and poor fat Joe felt inclined to become a parasite almost.' "'Undo his stays,' continued the pitiless old gentleman. "'Fling some water in his face, Miss Sharp, or carry him upstairs. "'The dear creature's fainting. "'Poor victim, carry him up. He's as light as a feather. "'If I stand this, sir, I'm damned,' roared Joseph. "'Order Mr. Joss's elephant, Sambo,' cried the father. "'Send to Exeter change, Sambo.' "'But seeing Joss ready almost to cry with vexation, "'the old joker stopped his laughter and said, "'holding out his hand to his son, "'It's all fair on the stock exchange, Joss, "'and ne Sambo, never mind the elephant, "'but give me and Mr. Joss a glass of champagne. "'Boney himself hasn't got such in his cellar, me boy.' "'A goblet of champagne restored Joseph's equanimity, "'and before the bottle was emptied, "'of which, as an invalid, he took two-thirds, "'he had agreed to take the young ladies to Vauxhall.' "'The girls must have a gentleman apiece,' 
said the old gentleman. "'Joss will be sure to leave Emmy in the crowd. "'He will be so taken up with Miss Sharp here. "'Send to ninety-six and ask George Osborne if he'll come.' "'At this, I don't know in the least for what reason, "'Mrs. Sedley looked at her husband and laughed. "'Mr. Sedley's eyes twinkled in a manner indescribably roguish, "'and he looked at Amelia, and Amelia, hanging down her head, "'blushed as only young ladies of seventeen know how to blush.' And as Miss Rebecca Sharp never blushed in her life, at least not since she was eight years old when she was caught stealing jam out of a cupboard by her godmother, Amelia had better write a note, said her father, and let George Osborne see what a beautiful handwriting we have brought back from Miss Pinkerton's. Do you remember when you wrote to him to come on Twelfth Night, Emmy, and spelt Twelfth without the F? That was years ago, said Amelia. "'It seems like yesterday, don't it, John?' said Mrs. Sedley to her husband. And that night, in a conversation which took place in a front room in the second floor, in a sort of tent, hung round with chintz of a rich and fantastic India pattern, and double with calico of a tender rose-colour, in the interior of which species of marquee was a feather-bed, on which were two pillows, on which were two round red faces, one in a laced nightcap, and one in a simple cotton one ending in a tassel. In a curtain lecture, I say, Mrs. Sedley took her husband to task for his cruel conduct to poor Joe. "'It was quite wicked of you, Mr. Sedley,' said she, "'to torment the poor boy so.' "'My dear,' said the cotton tassel in defence of his conduct, "'Joss is a great deal vainer than you ever were in your life, and that's saying a good deal.' "'though some thirty years ago, in the year seventeen hundred and eighty, "'what was it? Perhaps you had a right to be vain. I don't say no. "'But I've no patience with Joss and his dandified modesty. "'It is out-Josephing Joseph, my dear, "'and all the while the boy is only thinking of himself "'and what a fine fellow he is. "'I doubt, ma'am, we shall have some trouble with him yet. "'Here is Emmy's little friend making love to him as hard as she can. "'That's quite clear.' "'and if she does not catch him, some other will. "'That man is destined to be a prey to woman, "'as I am to go on change every day. "'It's a mercy he did not bring us over a black daughter-in-law, my dear. "'But mark my words, the first woman who fishes for him hooks him.' "'She shall go off to-morrow, the little artful creature,' "'said Mrs. Sedley, with great energy. "'Why not she as well as another, Mrs. Sedley?' "'The girl's a white face, at any rate. "'I don't care who marries him. "'Let Joe please himself.' "'And presently the voices of the two speakers were hushed, "'or were replaced by the gentle but unromantic music of the nose, "'and save when the church-bells told the hour and the watchman called it, "'all was silent at the house of John Sedley, Esquire, "'of Russell Square, and the Stock Exchange.' When morning came, the good-natured Mrs. Sedley no longer thought of executing her threats with regard to Miss Sharp, for though nothing is more keen, nor more common, nor more justifiable than maternal jealousy, yet she could not bring herself to suppose that the little humble grateful gentle governess would dare to look up to such a magnificent personage as the collector of Bogliwalla. The petition, too, for an extension of the young lady's leave of absence had already been dispatched, and it would be difficult to find a pretext for abruptly dismissing her. And as if all things conspired in favour of the gentle Rebecca, the very elements, though she was not inclined at first to acknowledge their action in her behalf, 
interposed to aid her. For on the evening appointed for the Vauxhall party, George Osborne having come to dinner, and the elders of the house having departed, according to invitation, to dine with Alderman Balls at Highbury Barn, there came on such a thunderstorm as only happens on Vauxhall nights, and as obliged the young people, perforce, to remain at home. Mr. Osborne did not seem in the least disappointed at this occurrence. He and Joseph Sedley drank a fitting quantity of port wine, tete-a-tete, in the dining-room, during the drinking of which Sedley told a number of his best Indian stories, for he was extremely talkative in man's society. And afterwards Miss Amelia Sedley did the honours of the drawing-room, and these four young persons passed such a comfortable evening together that they declared they were rather glad of the thunderstorm than otherwise, which had caused them to put off their visit to Vauxhall. Osborne was Sedley's godson, and had been one of the family any time these three and twenty years. At six weeks old he had received from John Sedley a present of a silver cup, at six months old a coral with gold whistle and bells. From his youth upwards he was tipped regularly by the old gentleman at Christmas, and on going back to school he remembered perfectly well being thrashed by Joseph Sedley, when the latter was a big swaggering hobbadyhoy, and George an impudent urchin of ten years old. In a word, George was as familiar with the family as such daily acts of kindness and intercourse could make him. "'Do you remember,' said Lee, "'what a fury you were in when I cut off the tassels of your Hessian boots, and how Miss—hem—how Amelia rescued me from a beating by falling down on her knees and crying out to her brother Joss not to beat little George?' Joss remembered this remarkable circumstance perfectly well, but vowed that he had totally forgotten it. "'Well, do you remember coming down in a gig to Dr. Swishtail's to see me, before you went to India, and giving me half a guinea and a pat on the head? I always had an idea that you were at least seven feet high, and was quite astonished at your return from India to find you no taller than myself.' "'How good of Mr. Sedley to go to your school and give you the money!' exclaimed Rebecca, in accents of extreme delight. 